My wife and I were walking down the street the other day, and I came up to a uh, bunch of rubber on the ground. Rubber. We both came up to it about the same time, looked over to our left, and there it was. Rubber, 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 rubber. I want everybody to get on a feed. The rubber was like a giant snake. It was about 40 feet long. Get your arms together. And I suppose you could also call it a big flat noodle of rubber. Stab your feet together. Big flat rubber noodle. Unmistakable. Stab your feet together and give it some of that oh. I'd never seen one before, and that's how you know something's unmistakable. So feet. I'd never in my life walked up on a 40 foot long big flat noodle of rubber. But that's exactly what I said when I pointed at it. Big flat rubber noodle. It was one long, flat, 40-foot-long noodle of rubber on the road. It's where the rubber had met the road, I suppose. Where the rubber had met the road. If you ever get to know uh, uptight people, they have phrases. It's where the rubber had met the road. It's just the same as getting to know really spaced out people. They have they have phrases. Like uh, if you get to know a really spaced out person and become friends with a spaced out person, they'll give you like right on or far out. Or a couple decades ago, they'd be groovy. They'd often confirm saying, it's all good, man. Or my favorite, no worries. I can't stand when people say no worries to me because I didn't think that there was any worry <laughs> typically in that exchange. So I hate when people say no worry because it used to be I would be doing something that would be troubling them and they would want to mellow me out. Like if I would be too uptight, somebody would be like, hey man, it's cool. You know, they would use the it's cool. So the no worries cracks me up because it makes you suddenly think you were probably doing something that made them worried and they're just trying to say it's cool nothing to worry about you know man can you imagine somebody with Tourette's syndrome probably hates somebody saying no worries and they probably deal with it all the time everywhere it's just a crisis right now. No worries is a phrase. People say it all the time, and it just, I, it worries me. The amount of no worry going around. If I had Tourette's syndrome, one, that would be fascinating just for like, <laughs> for like a day or two. Uh, I've actually gotten to know a couple people with Tourette's syndrome in my life, and it is sort of a stereotype that they just cuss. It's actually more of a inhibition issue where whatever you are most suppressing or know not to do in a moment, you will do. And I got to know a guy on the bus when I was taking the bus for a number of years. You know, one thing that the pandemic has certainly stopped is my use of the bus. I haven't been on the bus since, uh, I mean, I haven't been in any collected social 
setting or space. Uh, but on the bus, of course, you'd be sitting around people, you know, for about half an hour to an hour, depending on the ride. But you get to know amazing people on the bus, and I got to, on the bus, get to know, as a friend, the person with Tourette's Syndrome. And that was an amazing opportunity. It's And strangely, I have known more than one person with Tourette's Syndrome. Only one person was on the bus with it. But his Tourette's tick was not cussing, but staring. And the more intimidating person that you knew not to stare at, he would just tilt his head right at that person and just gaze tight. And the whole bus would have to defend this, uh, this person. We all knew the guy. But I thought that was amazing. And he knew certainly that he was making people not feel very comfortable. But that was the sadness in it, is he was a sweet, sweet person, and yet he would just sort of, if he was sitting next to you, would sort of, you'd see him struggling, and then all of a sudden, cock his head right at you and just stare, and start talking to himself while, while he's doing it. Here comes flat top, here comes... I mean, that's sort of the incredible, kind of, I, I call it almost intimate madness that you get to know when you take public transportation. If you get a route that you like and don't feel constantly assaulted by body waste, uh, other things. I don't know why I went right there. I mean, it could just be a safe or an unsafe route, but if you find a route that you can take, you know, you get to know the people on the bus. And a lot of them have certain issues that prevent them from driving a car and so you get to know an intimacy with their uh, the thing that they struggle with and if you're open to paying attention to it it actually is for lack of a better word a blessing to your life experience you know just getting to know these people when I wake up in the morning and not even in a pandering way not like there's something about mary and uh cameron diaz is saying hello to the mentally challenged kids you know not nothing like that yeah i mean i'm not improving their life just just coexisting with them you're both just waiting for your stop and you're doing whatever you're doing to wait for your stop I'd usually have a book in my in, in my hand or so, or my phone. And he would just be sitting, you know, by the lottery system of the seats at that day, he would be sitting next to me, and every once in a while, his face would just like tick, click, and just look right at me and start talking to himself. People talk about diversity and inclusion, and we tend to stop at mental illness when we are talking about this. And I'm not saying having Tourette's is mental illness. Tourette's is actually a neurological issue, not a mental health one. But it's a real, let's say that he had like a big version of the verbal Tourette's. And every morning he just would look right at me and just be like, fuck, motherfucking shit, baby. You know, just would start doing some sort of Tourette's thing on me. That could be extremely unpleasant, especially if I were a woman and other things. And bless his heart, it's a serious, you know, I guess it is a mental 
issue or a handicap. But when we talk about inclusion and diversity, we rarely talk about bringing uh, mentally unstable people into the conversation. Well, I wake up in the morning, but my head down in my eyes. You know, like if you have a job and you want to hire a purposefully diverse staff, and it's a, the best, I think, goal we can have right now is to break up. No joke. Uh, the cluster of white people in powerful positions. So I think having intentional diversity is a real smart thing, including accessibility. So differently abled people can get in there. It's, it's all for the benefit, but very rarely I think would diversity say, we want somebody with a psychotic or a, you know, dangerously suicidal or whatever like you know at what point do we talk about bringing them into the workplace or the people with Tourette's <laughs> because that that right there is where the rubber meets the road is that where I was starting with that was uh people would talk about the rubber meeting the road oh now I now I remember I do recall I can get back to a point like that the rubber meets the road phrase to me is a phrase that really uptight people have and the no worry line yes thank you i can get right back to where i was so somebody is dealing with somebody with tourette's for the first time and they just say hey no worries the person with tourette's knows that he's making him or her uncomfortable when they hear no worries otherwise they wouldn't be told that there's no worries that's sort of an example of where i think my brain goes every time somebody says no worries to me i always think that i do something wrong and so i will say that i take ownership of that moment i go you know i appreciate that but i can't help but think that if you're saying no worries something uh something should be worried about <laughs> And it can be funny, too, because it's sort of like when you say that to somebody who says, no worries, they think what they're saying is, hey, man, I'm helping you, is usually how no worries happens. Like uh, you're at a coffee shop and somebody comes up to take the coffee cup away from you, the empty coffee cup. And you might go, thank you for taking the empty coffee cup or just thanks for picking that up. I don't want to want you to think that I'm that stilted when I go out and talk to people. Thank you for picking up that coffee cup that is empty of coffee. But thank you. Just a simple thank you. It's been a year now since I've been to a coffee shop. So I have to remember, is that accurate? Did I say thank you for picking up the coffee cup? This episode of Spoken Word with Electronics is brought to you by Bresky Mastering. Is that accurate? Did I say thank you for picking up the coffee cup? The coffee cup? the coffee cup based in berlin and available to experimental musicians worldwide Veresky mastering is a human-based music improvement service specializing in finalizing your mixes is that accurate did i say thank you for picking up the coffee cup the weirder or more wonderful your work the better Visit VereskyMastering.com. That's V-A-R-E-S-C-H-I Mastering.com for more information. It's been a year now since I've been to a coffee shop. So I have to remember, is that accurate? Did I say thank you for picking up the coffee cup? No. 
no, I remember. I said, thank you. That's the way it works, is you retain these. If we do not record what we said in the coffee shop, no one will ever know that when your coffee shop, coffee cup was empty of coffee and the coffee shop, coffee cup collector came up to collect the coffee cup, that you would say thank you. And so I would say thank you when he came up. And that's usually when you get no worries. So there's these arbitrary non-statements like no worries that people will use. But then it becomes so common that you find it just in normal conversation when people might have like a worry that's interjected and that that's the funny problem with no worry or no worries. It just sort of inserts doubt into a question, you know, or it makes it seem like you're putting somebody out or something. Thanks. No worries is okay, but hey, can I have a bagel? No worries. If they say it kind of like that. No worries. You might be pissing them off and they're kind of being side-eyed about it. No worries. But I don't have any worry about it. But no worries just... It's just a goofy sentence, phrase we say that you get from the cool, casual guy. Uh, right on, yeah. Everything is a yeah. Or haha, <laughs> you're right. They'll just agree with you for no reason. Right. Right. I didn't say any uh, statement. So it's like, hey man, how are you doing today? Right. Right. And how are you? Oh, I'm great. Right on. No worries, man. Yeah, that's when it bugs me. What the fuck am I getting no worry for right there at that point? But anyway, they use uh, those words, but then you get to know uptight people, and they have really funny phrases. That right there is where the rubber meets the road. Just like in to know somebody on the, uh, on the bus with Tourette's. And I should talk about some stories sometimes about when people did not know that he had Tourette's. There was one time where a really large muscular person that looked like they might just like push somebody into a wall for whatever reason was stuck next to that guy on a bus. And all of a sudden he's just looking at him and the whole bus is having to tell this guy not to worry, you know. That's a no worry. That's not a no worry. That's a please don't worry about this. This guy isn't challenging you. He just has Tourette's. That's a no worry. And it just made him deeply uncomfortable. Because I think it was like a collision for this really large muscular person of not only is somebody in my space and staring at me, which I've never allowed anyone to do, is sort of the way that he was acting. And then two, uh, maybe I'm not the most comfortable with direct attention from men, <laughs> he thinks. <laughs> So it was two of those things. And three, uh, we're sharing a uh, bus seat together, a two-seat uh, two bench. That was an incredible experience. There was another time on the bus where a guy just uh, decided to, um, who had, he had two paper bags, and all of a sudden the paper bags broke, and uh, I was on the bus with a guy. <laughs> who for many, many blocks was getting progressively more sick. And he was a young kid. It was very clearly probably like a 20 or 20, maybe even a 19. Uh, let's make him uh, street legal. I'd say maybe a 21 or a 22-year-old kid just uh, 
head down in his lap, regretting what was probably one of the first serious uh, nights of getting drunk. And he all of a sudden starts to uh, get sick in the back of the bus. I usually would sit in the back of the bus. He starts to throw up in the back of the bus. Everybody in the back of the bus, there's like six of us, we all sort of run forward. And one of the guys um, who is startled by this, uh, his paper bag sort of suddenly breaks. And out of his bag, he gets in front of some people and out of his bag <laughs> is some sort of liquid lubricant, like uh, for machinery. Like, you know, like a, like a heavy synthetic that will just, I don't know what the hell you're doing on a bus with a paper bag full of uh, mechanical lubricant, but he had some. And it just uh, fell down on the ground in front of the people running away from, and not yet at a door, from the puking going on behind them. And all of a sudden they're slipping on the ground, uh, you know, grabbing at all parts of the bus to keep their direction and then running in place because it's so slippery. <laughs> And I stop and I look back. Somehow I had gotten away in my, I mean, I have a really quick, uh, if somebody is vomiting in front of me or behind me, I have a very quick get out of it defense. There's no worries. I have no worries regarding that. Because a lot of people sometimes for whatever, when somebody gets sick, they tend to, for a millisecond, somebody confirms what they're seeing. And they're like, is that puke? It is. And then they jump up. But I tend to like jump before you <laughs> been around puking and I also was kind of thinking he was about to puke for like many blocks so anyway I'm in front of the guy with the paper bag of the machinist lubricant and I'm calling it machinist lubricant silicon because I, I don't want you to think that there was like a bag of couples couples oils in there we're not talking about intimacy oils we're talking about stuff that you would use in the machine shop but if it's suggested that that stuff would be good for uh, for intimacy you know, it got a pretty good demo that night because everybody running behind him suddenly were stuck between a guy puking and a floor that they could not pass because it was so, so slippery suddenly. It was full of, you know, and then they'd get it on their shoes. I'm remembering this. they get it on their shoes and suddenly everything. <laughs> Everything was slippery. Oh, man. But I just got, I, uh, you know, love them. I'm so sorry that happened to you <laughs> and all of you. And um, the guy with the lubricant, machinist lubricant, I think his reaction. See, that would be a good, a good time to look at the guy and go, hey, guy, no worries. <laughs> But he, know, he would know there's something to be worried about. And the bus driver hasn't really caught up consciously to what's going on. He's still driving the bus, so it's still sort of moving. It's still sort of moving. I got off on the first stop and just walked home the, the remainder of the distance. And I watched it drive off and knew that um, <laughs> inside was such a terrible cleanup for the bus driver. They normally have to clean that stuff up, you know. 
and everybody's shoes would be covered with machinist lubricant and they would be unable to get away from the puking kid in the back of the bus. They would have to literally swim to get out of that part of the bus. It was a long bus and so they would probably have had to grab separate seats and just push themselves along the ground or maybe, you know, they don't want to go on their knees and get more of that lubricant on their knees. And they would have had to swim literally forward to get away from it. And then the bus would have had to deal with the worst combination of cleanups you can imagine, you know. And the guy whose bag broke, you know, think of him as like a pregnant man. That's how much machinist lubricant was in that paper bag. And when it burst, it was like his, you know, like a, like a woman's uh, water will burst. It was like that, but it was just machinist fluid. And it, then it just, just uh, the container just broke once it hit the ground, you know. It was hilarious, and I got, got away from it. But think about it, that's how much. But the funniest thing is he never moved. He And uh, you talk about, like, no worry or something. His reaction, I think, was so nervous. Or he could have been drunk himself. But he just starts cackling and laughing. So we've got a kid in the back puking, a guy whose paper bag had had the machinist lubricant holding just the pa the broken paper bag still in his hand. Maybe there was more lubricant that he's cradling or holding to his arms, but the canisters that had fallen out were just everywhere as broken and spilled lubricant on the ground. And then we got like six or seven people struggling in various directions and speeds to get away forward from the puking. And they've got lubricant then on their feet and they're slapping around and it was just another night on the bus. That's sort of the amazing thing about taking the bus is if you, I used to call it the random event generator. I was really into ideas like that with synthesizers and the idea of just a random event generator happens very often with notes. You know, you can get a lot of random things made and, and so random is embraced in electronics, at least at this point in, uh, its current evolution, which is cool. So you can get things like random event generators and they can sometimes take a clock and then it can be as simple as randomly distributing when the clock actually shows up. So it would be, you know, eight beats and maybe a random clock generator would say you only hear like one or two of those at some point. Or you could uh, do it even more interesting with with noises. You can get different pitches, different variations, or different speeds. Even is even cooler stuff like that. Random is fun. You can also use noise. Most uh, CV inputs allow for noise as an input. All of those things would move the parameters around. But I like to think about the bus as sort of like the random event generator for life, and I loved going on the bus. And that was the wildest night I had on the bus, just in terms of just some sort of Marx Brothers moment. The wildest physical comedy evening on the bus. And it would have been weird if it was during the time that, like, the Tourette's guy was on or some other people. But those people actually would never be on the bus that late. That's the interesting thing, is the bus would have drinking hours and then sane hours and then also sort of you know, assisted care hours. And that's when you get to know the good, crazy people who are living in, you know, any number of usually shared life, shared living scenarios.
or something like that. But yeah, if he was there, that would have been just insane. He probably would have started laughing and cussing, because he would cuss. And he did have kind of a cool sense of humor. That's the other thing that's interesting about getting to know people with legitimate... I, again, don't want to call Tourette's a uh, mental disability, but it's certainly a life-altering struggle. And a lot of those guys or people or those ladies have really great senses of humor in there. You know, they, they're not stuck with this uh, condition. And I bet he would have found it to be pretty damn entertaining too and would have started laughing. And that probably would have been, I mean, I'm sure you probably have a pretty dark gallows humor when you are struggling with something like that that you have no control over in front of people. That's sort of what I was thinking about, sort of diversity in the workplace, is that we still have to bring in composure. But what about people who have literally, if we're really looking at diversifying the workplace and giving opportunity to everybody, people who have uncontrollable social problems should be brought into the workplace. <laughs> and I mean that seriously. We certainly uh, allow people to have, you know, drug problems at the workplace. Every job I've ever had, there's about more than half of the group has some sort of dependency and that's life, you know. But I bet the Tourette's guy would have been laughing really hard at that moment. I just got off the bus and walked and then I'm walking up the hill and later about two blocks or three blocks ahead of me, the bus is stopped and I'm walking, it's night and I'm walking the mile or so that I'm going to be walking now to get home. It did stop close enough that I could walk home. You know? And I just walk past the bus at night and it's completely stopped and idling. And I see the bus lit up from up ahead. And I'm walking up the hill and I know that inside that bus is a lot of <laughs> is a lot of vomit and lubricant and a bunch of uncomfortable people. And they're for whatever reason not exiting the bus too. I'm just now remembering this. That's a weird detail because I can imagine really wanting to be off the bus at that point. But I think I was the only person who was like, I'm just, I'm out. I'm walking. A lot of them might have been so far away from where they, they live that they're like, I have to endure this because I need to get home. That's the other thing about public transportation that's amazing is you have to stay on the bus during, you know, so my decision just to, to get off the bus and walk was benefited by being able to walk but like if I were half the distance away I'd probably be like okay I gotta stick on this you know because especially at night the bus isn't gonna come for another half hour or so so they are just sitting on the bus and I walk past the bus slowly and the bus lights are on and it's very still and I just can tell that they're cleaning it up or dealing with it and I just keep on walking past the bus and it never drove past me in that mile, so it was probably there just cleaning itself up for a while. And at that point, I actually did feel guilty for abandoning the bus. Part of me was like, should I have just stayed on the bus, or should I go back and get on it? <laughs> but uh, nobody was thinking about me at that time. They probably saw me get off the bus and were like, damn right, I would have got the bus if, you know, if I could have. But 
that's some the kind of thing you get on the bus. But what I started to talk about was when the rubber meets the road. And that entire discussion just now was just to describe people who talk sort of casually with the yeah mans. No worries. With the uptight people, you get other sorts of phrases that sometimes are much more elaborate and require description and stories. And you'll get really funny, funny ones like uh, weird mathematical rules. Somebody will say, you know, uh, if you're working on something with with an uptight person, they go, yeah, it's the 80-20 rule. We're about to come up and hit it. The 80-20 rule. And that might be something they say to you when you're like, wow, we're really ahead of ourselves right now. We're going good on this. You want to say a positive thing, but their cynicism will go, well, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. Yeah, we might have just gotten the 80. We might be near to getting done the 80. And the 80-20 rule for people who don't talk to people who say, who teach you about it, because I could give a shit about the 80-20 rule. I just work on something until I get something done, by the way. So I think, actually, I can say with some bravado that having gotten 50 of these shows done during the pandemic sort of allows me to say with some proven confidence, I don't need to talk about process with you, my coworker friend, and... (laughs) I don't need to learn like phrases that just get in the way of getting a task done, you know, and people who give you lines like the 80-20 rule are people who rarely also are the people who are working. They're usually at a supervision position or something and they'll say like, and if you're trying to say as a worker, if you're trying to tell them as a worker that you are done with something or it's going ahead. That's when they can drop in the 80-20 rule on you. Would you like me to tell you what the 80-20 rule is? This is how it works. Man, I'm really ahead of uh, what I was working on. I feel really good about it. Oh, yeah? Well, it sounds like you're just uh, getting near done the 80%. You know, you're about like the 80 of the 20. The 80 of the 20? Yeah. You can get 80% of the work done very quickly, but that remaining 20% is where it's really gonna like bother you. That's gonna be the part that's toughest to work. So, you know, you might, I wouldn't calm down right now. I wouldn't slow down if you're thinking that you're ahead of something because you're just getting done the 80, they'll say. The 80% and people who say that don't get things done a lot because typically, uh, although it's called waterfall method, but it's an actual true way of getting something done. It's, it's better to just sort of work on something and that's sort of how I get these shows done is you just work through it and if I were thinking about the 80-20 rule that would be terribly dispiriting to get sort of you know in a good flow with something you're like well I'm only getting the easy shit done right now no 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 you're getting everything matters and so people who say 80-20 that's sort of like where the rubber meets the road that's an uptight phrase it's a cynical one it's very pessimistic 80-20 it's going to be harder to finish that 20 than the first 80 it's the 80-20 rule But then you'll get funny optimisms from these same people. Here's another one that I'm remembering. Belt and suspenders. Belt and suspenders. They would say to you, if you're building something good, and they would talk about things as having redundancy in them. Belt and suspenders. They would just sort of say like a a chant, belt and suspenders. So, you know, if the belt fails, the suspenders will hold the pants up. That was a funny phrase. I've encountered belt and suspenders from a lot of people. Belt and suspenders. 
I've had strict people in my life, and that's also where I've heard where the rubber meets the road, which I'll get back to in a moment. My favorite one that I like to use, sometimes I will talk to friends and uh, use uh, serious or severe <laughs> phrases because I find them funny. And up to a year ago, for the most part, a lot of my socializing was actually at work. You know, I prefer, or with neighbors. And for both of them, I love the phrase, hey man, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. If you got time to lean, you got time to clean. You know, and I would, but I would use it typically around friends who are exerting so much more effort at their job than I am at mine. So that would be really funny. I would see two friends who I really love. I love a lot of people I work with. I can't wait to see them again. But I would see them, maybe. Typically, facilities people are my favorite people at any job. Custodial workers as well. People who have to get the shit done or clean it up are the people that I really like at jobs. And for whatever reason, I always get along better with them. And it's uh, we joke around a lot. I find that, yeah, I mean, I just have a tremendous respect for people who do that kind of work. And a lot of times it requires sort of like craftsman-like skill, even in stuff that you don't think is particularly skill-dependent, like cleaning a toilet. Uh, there are people who do that every night and deal with the worst unknown. You know, when that kid puked in the bus, I knew who it was. So there was no, whose who's puke is this? But I'm not, can you imagine having to clean that puke or whatever worse in a toilet? That's your job. And people think of that as your class. You are a toilet cleaner. And there is so much skill that goes into being a toilet cleaner. And just sort of strength of character that we don't have, most of us. And to do it in a way that looks clean or whatever, too. So I like to talk to those people when they're doing, and I, like my favorite one is sometimes the facilities people who, you know, will move around and uh, maintain the electrical and structural part of a building. I love to get to know those people too. And sometimes they'll be doing something really exerted and I'll walk up and say like, hey man, hey guys, what are we doing here? What's up? I like to do uh, pretend to be a supervisor in that way. By then they've already known me enough to know that I'm like, the farthest thing away from uh, respect what this guy is talking about. And I'd be like, hey, guys, hey, I hope today's going pretty good. But I just can't help but see, you know, you're taking a little time here to get this done. Is there something uh, you're not understanding about the task, I might say? And the, uh, by the way, that sort of talking that I do is why other people at work stole my joke calendar and put it in a freezer. And then I'll say, uh, hey, you know what I, what I got to say is uh, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. And that usually, it works very well if two of them are working and one of them is watching. And I just would say that to the third person. And then suddenly the two workers are like, ah, yeah, man, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. It's a very, very fun thing to do. You can try it when we're back in. But it's risky. You got to know who you're doing it to. And, uh, but they wouldn't, but look, walking up to them and saying like, Hey man, belt and suspenders, right? Wouldn't work. Or 80, 20 rule. Nope. None of those would work. And that's because a lot of the uptight phrases are really intended to make somebody resent it when they hear it because they've, uh, it's just the way they are. And the rubber meets the road, as I've been meaning to say, is one of those phrases. 
when the uh, the rubber meets the road is of course a metaphor for when rubber tires land on the road usually the landing gear of a plane has uh, rubber tires and you don't know it's kind of a terrible idea to think people use the rubber meets the road phrase as for like any kind of creative endeavor like i'm going to make something or or you know let's say you're a code a coder software developer and you are making something and you might hear the guy telling you about the 80 20 rule and the belt and suspenders and uh they might tell you about when the rubber meets the road is when you put your code into production and it's live and anything can go wrong that's when the rubber meets the road and the actual phrase for rubber meets the road i'm guessing came from really weird scenarios when maybe rubber would fail on the landing gear of something <laughs> boom and it did and they just collapse into the ground well and one guy man you don't want to hear from that guy at one point you don't want to hear from two people at that point they're looking at you know a uh, plane that has crashed and is on fire you don't want him to walk up and say no worries hey no worries guys or you don't want them to say hey i guess that's when the rubber meets the road so that's actually a scenario of both of those cultures the easygoing guy and the uptight guy both equally saying the wrong thing but that would actually be a perfect use of that. So what rubber meets the road, you know, the road one, you know, so we got to make better tires. Because that's when the rubber meets the road, you know, the road one in that scenario. I've always kind of been amazed at landing gear, being able to absorb, you know, an entire plane and just, it's on, it's on wheels. I've loved the idea of that. You know, uh, have you ever been on an air mattress? and had somebody that's mostly flat and have somebody inflate it for you it's pretty fun to feel how strong air can be you know compressed and uh surrounded in rubber that's when the rubber is on the on the ground that's when the rubber meets the ground but the rubber meets the road is you know like the tires in an airplane which leads me to my point my wife and i were walking down the street the other day and I came up to a uh, bunch of rubber on the ground. We were walking down the road and we saw what looked like a bunch of rubber. And I initially joked, you know, well that's where the rubber meets the road. But when we walked closer to it and looked to the left, suddenly spotting it in its full size, you know, we saw signs of it. But when we looked over, I looked over, my wife looked over, and we were both looking over at a lot of rubber. Because it was one long piece of rubber right there on the ground. I'd say it was about five inches wide, maybe, but about 40 feet long, easy. Maybe 40, 60 feet, but we'll just call it 40 feet long, 40 by five foot strip of rubber on the ground. And I just stare at it. It was like a thrown snake, a snake corpse, just there out on the street. You know, like a giant snake, but it was rubber and it was flat. So it's really a pasta noodle, I guess. Brown, but also covered in dust and tangled, but not cracked anywhere. It was just still really pliable and rubbery. And it might even have not been rubber. It might have been some synthetic, but my eyes said rubber. And I think the fact that it was brown made me think rubber. 
brown. Rubbery. Whew, yeah. And I must have stared down at that rubber on the ground for what felt like an eternity. My recollection of this memory is that time actually stopped as I focused in closer and closer. I saw every texture, every experience that might have gone into its existence. I saw this rubber's children and all the children's rubbers. There was no explanation, at least to me, as to why a gigantic 40-foot-long string of rubber would be there on the road, tangled up in near knots. So not yet knots, but two people could run it up and grab one side of the rubber, each separately, and run in opposite directions, and there'd be a bunch of knotted-up rubber. But there would be that rubber right there on the ground, right there on the road. I just kept on staring. The time kept on stopping. Me and the tangled up, near knotted rubber strip right there on the road. The more I stared at the rubber, the more I saw meaning in it. And I wanted to view this as a blessing or a riddle. What did it mean to be so tangled up on the road like that? As one completely connected flat, noodle-like bundle of rubber. And then my wife looked over at me and she said, Oh, that's siding. Oh, that's siding. She was referring to the external home siding, which are planks of synthetic-like pieces that cover a home in strips, usually horizontally. And sure enough, I looked over at the house directly next to the rubber on the road, and it looked like it had some fresh siding installed and that this bundle of rubber on the ground was just used siding, siding that would no longer be used. Siding, I asked. Although I was nodding at the time, suggesting by saying I asked, it was also like siding, huh? I think you're about right. Siding, huh, I said. And she confirmed, pointing down at the rubber on the ground where the rubber had met the road. Siding, she says. <laughs> We're both kind of enjoying the, the weird banality of the moment, to be honest. Because originally it was kind of a mystery when we first saw it. It's like, what's this, you know? You know, we're like, siding. No siding. It can be kind of fun to be totally simple and banal with, with, with a friend or somebody you lucky to be sharing uh, your life with. That was just a nice moment with me and my wife. I loved it. Siding. And I'm just nodding. It's like, yeah, we're this happy together as just people that we can just say words like that and be like, yeah, right. Siding. Siding. Huh. And then you're sort of saying it in different inflections and you're having a conversation based on tone. Siding. 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 But really it was just one or two trades of siding. And then I go... You know, I notice uh, <laughs> sometimes I'll tell a joke that is um, immediately banned from me ever using it again because it's such a bad joke. And uh, this was one of them, although I was very proud of it. I then uh, I looked over and I mentioned that it was no longer sighting. And uh, she said, yeah, yeah, it isn't. And I go, I guess that's exciting.
is what I said. And that, I had to point out, was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. We got a uh, good show this week. We uh, are very happy that Alan Turing, Mr. Turing, has been included on a banknote for England. And we have some feelings about that. Alan was uh, tortured by the British government for their completely barbaric views on uh, homosexuality. And so it'll be fun to talk about Alan Turing. He was somebody who would not probably respond to no worry because he had to worry a lot. And the way we'll do it for the show is that there is a uh, device called the Turing machine. Alan Turing was a mathematical genius. And we'll try and do some justice talking about him. But to keep about the show, we have a Turing machine, which is a Turing invention about uh, that works with numbers and sequences. And that has been lovingly created in... Uh, the Eurorack format as a module that you can actually play for notes. So the same rules of the Turing machine computationally or however you want to use it are used for note generation. And so we'll do a demo with that. And that'll be fun to sort of talk about Alan Turing and play with the Turing machine. I mean, uh, Lou Reed had machine music or metal machine music. We will then have Turing machine music, Alan Turing machine music for our side A this week. And we'll close up the show with Charlie Pickle, part 33. You're listening to Spoken Word with Electronics, and this is episode 51. Hope you're having a good week. Let's, uh, let's move on now to our discussion. That's where the rubber meets the road. I got no worries. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.